0: First of all, welcome to Fearless, starring that dude, Jason Whitlock. I'm still your thrill Sergeant Uncle Jimmy, and today's show is gonna be a lot like Jason's love life, short and sweet. You know, like my nephew say, he would give you more if he had it to give. But like he says on every date, let's go ahead and get to it. On today's show, the first lady returns to the Fearless family, and of course I'm talking about the real Michelle. I'm talking about Shamika Michelle, and she's going to be here to talk about the Philadelphia school teacher, Miss Watsy, and her coming out party. And you know who she invited? You know who she invited? All of her students. And you know what? Shamika, would you please come in here and break this down for us and explain to us what the heck is going on? Also on the show, my new bestie. And I'm talking about T.J. Moe. He's going to be back in the house to do what he does best, and that's drop truth bombs. He's gonna talk about everything from the latest going on in this week in the NFL, from Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers to all of Jackson's legs crumbling under on him under pressure. Also, what's really the real talk going around the scuttle bucket regarding Urban Myers, the living legend, and he putting up a goose egg yesterday against the Tennessee Titans? You know. I don't know about you, but that's kind of like Jason going to a five-star steakhouse and having a salad. Makes no sense at all. Anyway, y'all, it's about that time. Hit the likes. Hit the subscribes. Release the dubs, Release the hounds. Go to the Fearless website and find out. Whoa, could Jimmy look so doggone good? <laughs> Go check out all this new merch we got. Get 20% off until Christmas. Go to shopblazemedia.com backslash fearless. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the big boss. We call him Sir Hot Sauce. His mama called him the human garbage disposal. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about my guy, Jason Whitlock.
3: In 1963, at the age of 37, New York Giants quarterback, Yelberton Abraham Tittle Jr. was named the most valuable player of the National Football League. In the league's then 43 year history, Y.A. Tittle was the oldest player to win the award. Tittle held that distinction for the next 50 years until Peyton Manning, older by seven months, won the award in 2013. Four years later, 40-year-old Tom Brady set a new standard for old guy dominance of a young man's game. This year, another quarterback older than Tittle is likely to be named the MVP of the National Football League. The leading candidates are 38-year-old Aaron Rodgers and 44-year-old Tom Brady. Think about that. Two so of the 10 oldest active NFL players are the front runners for MVP. This is good for TV ratings. Brady and Rodgers are handsome superstars with brands nearly as pervasive and strong as McDonald's and Coca-Cola. But their dominance of football does not say th- good things about the NFL. Football rules makers, in pursuit of player safety and points, have made the game far too easy. I do not say that to denigrate Brady or Rodgers. As a fan, I love watching them play. I respect their approach to the game. I marvel at their sustained discipline and passion. Football is a more enjoyable product with Brady and Rodgers than without them. My problem is their prolonged domination of the league indicates a reduction in the stakes and or consequences of playing the game. When you reduce the risk, You reduce the reward. You reduce the level of satisfaction among fans. Despite all of its corruption, the sport of boxing won't die because of the elevated consequences of the sport. At any moment, someone could get knocked out. That's exciting. It's why we tuned in to see Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder three times, even though we know neither fighter is Muhammad Ali or Joe Frazier. Football used to be so punishing that the all-time great quarterbacks retired at age 37 or 38, whether they really wanted to or not. In 1979, at the age of 37, Cowboys quarterback Roger Staubach had the best statistical season of his career. He threw for a career high in yards, 3,586, and touchdowns, 27, and was named to the Pro Bowl for a fifth consecutive year. He retired after the season. He suffered five concussions during the 1979 season and a six, and six concussions during the calendar year. Football has significantly decreased the degree of difficulty. Hardly anyone talks about it. The old timers don't want to sound bitter or jealous of the modern players. Corporate media is in bed with the NFL. ESPN and Fox Sports' job is to promote the league, not analyze it. The former players leading the discussion of football on TV are simply happy to be cashing a check. They'd rather whine and cry about some perceived racial injustice than to discuss what's going on in the actual game. The truth doesn't keep the butter biscuits flowing. Emasculated, emotion, tears, and racial division? That keeps the cash flowing. Speaking of tears, look, here's an example of what I'm talking about.
1: And so, you can't relate to that if you're white, but you can listen, and you can uh, try to help because this is not okay. It's just not. Thank you for everybody that reached out to me, and um, like I know it's getting better, but it's not better, better yet, and better for everybody.
0: And um. You know,
1: like we just got to keep, you know,
3: staying together, man. And just doing what we can. And for us to be moving back and not forward in 21st century, like I said, man, National Football League, this hurts me. The clock is ticking, man. I'm okay. sorry. That's what passes for groundbreaking commentary about football. Men crying. Men whining. Doing everything but dealing with what's actually going on in the game. That's how you keep the checks flowing in corporate media. Stir a little racial division, shed some tears, act emasculated, act feminine, act like the Instagram model sitting next to you knows just as much about the game, or, or you know, connect with her. No one wants to actually discuss what's going, in the, going on in the game. So we pretend that what Brady and Rodgers are doing, is just as difficult as what Tittle, Roger Stallback, Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, and John Elway did. It's not. Tom Brady knows it's not. Listen to what he said in September during a panel discussion with his Buccaneers teammates. Watch this.
1: I think the one thing about football that's changed over the years, which I think is really hard for someone like me who's played a long time to watch is like, there, it's not being taught the right way. Like a quarterback should only throw the ball to certain places because your receiver is in danger of getting hit. For example, when I used to play against Ray Lewis, mm-hmm. I wouldn't throw the ball to the middle <laughs> of the field because he would he he'd go after you and he would hit. like. And we didn't always have the biggest receivers, but he would hit him and knock him out of the game. Mm-hmm. And now every hard hit is a penalty on the defense. So I feel like. They penalize defensive players for offensive mistakes. Mm -hmm. So, like, if a quarterback, I was watching the Chicago Bear game, (laughs) the 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 quarterback messes up, doesn't see the blitzer, or the line screws up, I don't know what happened, but the quarterback or the line on offense, the defensive player comes in and hits him hard, and they throw a flag on the defense. So they've almost moved the protection of your opponent to you, Mm -hmm. as opposed to where it should be, which is on yourself. Like if you're a quarterback, you gotta protect yourself and your players. It shouldn't be the responsibility of your opponent to protect you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real, it's, it creates really bad habits for players because you feel like I can basically do anything. I could run and not slide. I can throw the, my receiver into any coverage and not have any repercussion for it. The only thing they're gonna do is they're actually gonna blame the defensive player mm-hmm. for making a good solid hit. And now the defensive player's gonna feel like, oh, I can't do that mm-hmm. even I feel like it was an offensive mistake. So in the end, I think it's a really disservice to the sport because the sport isn't being played at a high level Mm -hmm. like I I believe that it once was. It actually deteriorates because you're not teaching the players the reasons and the fundamentals of what the sport should be.
3: This is why I have so much respect for Tom Brady. He's not afraid of the truth. It's we are. There was so much truth in what he just said. I mean, incredible truth. that goes way beyond football. When you remove consequences, you end up hurting everybody. When there's no accountability, when, when you can feel like, oh my God, my mistakes are going to be covered up by someone else. They're going to be rationalized and excused. It creates the feeling that you can do anything. You can go out and smash and grab. You can go out loot and burn. You can do anything because there are no consequences for your bad behavior, for your mistakes. It's incredible truth that Brady was speaking there that goes way beyond football. The world, we've turned the world upside down. And football is just a microcosm of a culture that is anti-consequences for negative behavior. We can see it in football, and we can apply it to the rest of society and the rest of our lives. Tom Brady put it all out there and everyone's just ignoring it, letting it go by. Y.A. Tittle set an age standard that stood for 50 years. It's now going to be surpassed three times in less than a decade. Football has changed. You basically need written permission from the head referee to hit the quarterback. Receivers have no fear of catching the ball over the middle of the field. Referees love throwing pass interference penalties for inconsequential contact. Let me repeat, I love Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I really do because of the way he handled the COVID situation and his feisty interview with Pat McAfee about the vaccine. Aaron Rodgers is my new favorite NFL player. I want him to win a second consecutive MVP award. It will be a victory for the unvaxxed. Rodgers and Brady are the most valuable players in the NFL. But my point is, they're not the best or most impressive players. We've so... Sold- dirtied up the game and the rules and blah, blah. We don't reveal actually who's the best. We've tilted things so far in the offense's favorite and the quarterback's favorite. They're always going to be the most valuable. But they're not the best. They're not the most impressive. Here's my list of best and most impressive players from this year. Coach running back Jonathan Taylor, Cowboys linebacker Micah Parsons, Pittsburgh pass rusher T.J. Watt, Cleveland defensive end Miles Garrett, San Francisco defensive end Nick Bosa, Patriots cornerback J.C. Jackson. Any of those guys, best, most impressive players this year. Rule changes have exaggerated the value of NFL quarterbacks. Football needs a best player award. The best football players are a lot closer to age 30 than 40. Football is still a young man's game a best player award would recognize that. Mm. That's my fire today. And uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna roll out to St. Louis and bring in uh, one of our newest fearless soldiers, T.J. Uh, T. Moe. Uh, let's see where T.J. is. T.J. obviously was a wide receiver at the University of Missouri, uh, starter for three years, a lot of success. Uh, cup of coffee in the NFL with the Patriots and Belichick and Brady. Uh, TJ, do you agree with me that Brady and Rodgers are the most valuable players, but they're not the best players playing in the NFL right now?
2: Yeah, it's, it's all about definitions, right? Um, you and I tend to have the same view of what the NFL should be. I actually went down the same road in my head that you did in that the NFL is just following society and making men a little bit softer and a little easier to succeed. And we'll just, we'll just spoon feed you some success. You can do it at this age. It'll be fine. Uh, I don't agree that uh, uh, that is the proper way to go about things, but that's where we are. I think, I think the definition football makes it hard to figure out who MVP is because you only play one position and you sit in one spot and what you have to go on there is he, look, he's a wide receiver, he runs 60 routes a game and he catches the ball. It's a lot easier when Michael Jordan is the guy who uh, is Defensive Player of the Year and he's leading the league in points and he's the guy who steps in and leads the league in steals. it's, It's very easy when you play both offense and defense to figure out who most valuable is. There's really no discussion about that. When it comes to the NFL, it's very easy to decide the the value of a quarterback. I think it's very, very simple. If you don't throw it to the other team, there is some value in that. And that's just not making a mistake. That's quite different than what you see uh, in succeeding. It's like in baseball, you know, wins above replacement. What well, quarterback you you start. Just don't make a mistake and you give your team a chance. That's not true at most positions. So, I, you know, I think when you, you're you sitting in a place at quarterback, the value that they can bring is about 10x what the next player is. That's why, you know, it's, it is unbelievably surprising when a guy like Trent Dilfer can win a Super Bowl because he's, he's just an average dude, right? Um, uh, to me, the value itself that, you know, if we want to go to awards, the, the best football players, running backs, good a good place to look, your life almost runs out when you near age 30 as a running back. But as a quarterback, you can keep going. As a wide receiver now, you can keep going. I mean, there were there was a time, you know, the targeting rule in the NFL did not come into uh sorry in college football did not come into play until after I graduated, which meant that when I went across the middle, it cost me something. It cost me some brain cells, it cost me some bruises, and you had to have some guts, you had to have some balls to go across the middle. And it was a little bit different for you uh, than the outside wide receivers. You know, that's how running backs are today. Blaine Gabbert was my quarterback. Uh, People know who he is now uh, in the NFL. He's backing up Tom Brady. He used to tell me, hey, listen, TJ, just trust me, okay? I will throw you away from the hit. You go across the middle, trust me. You're going to take a lick if you have to, if that's what the team needs. But the larger picture is trust me. There's a a trust factor between the quarterback and the wide receiver that allow you to – continue to go in and take that pounding over and over and over again and he will take care of you actually you know part of you said there is a cost there's some consequences to taking this out of the game part of the consequence is that you don't actually have to trust anybody else right now all you have to trust is that the defenders are going to follow the rules of the nfl and they're going to be the ones taking care of you and not your quarterback i don't like it i i,
3: I certainly don't like it i i but I do think we're in agreement because of one, just look, even before the rule changes, the quarterback always has the chance to be the most valuable player on a team or in a league just because he handles the ball virtually every play far more than anybody else. And so that increases his value. But but now it, it's so exaggerated because of the passing and just the way the league is set up. The, it's like a quarterback is two or three times more valuable than he was, 30, 40 years ago. I, people don't remember this, but like OJ Simpson used to be the highest paid player in the NFL. He made more than quarterbacks. And I, I think Walter Payton at that time was the second highest paid player in the NFL. Uh, and so that that was in the 70s, I believe, or yeah, in the 1970s. And so We've seen a change where, obviously, quarterbacks have just become more and more valuable. And so I don't think there's much disagreement between you and I that the MVP this year, with three or four games left to go, is going to come down to Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and maybe Arizona's Kyler Murray with an outside shot. Between Brady and Rodgers, and we can throw their stats up, I believe, uh, you know, Brady's throwing for more yards, He's thrown for more uh, TDs, but he's got more interceptions. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers missed at least one game, I know, with COVID. But anyway, who do you think the MVP is, Tom
2: Brady or Aaron Rodgers? i like to add in some adversity when I'm evaluating these things. I actually think the, the vaccine thing was a pretty big deal to overcome for aaron Rodgers, I, I would give it to Rodgers, and and truly for me that's a big part of it to to have more than just what you're dealing with on the field and people can say hey listen he brought that on himself and, I, and i'm fine with that um but he's a guy that actually he he had his his holdout a lot of aaron Rodgers' problems by the way are problems that he brings on himself fine but he still had all the issues with the packers and then he said fine this is our last year we'll figure it out it he put up the um you know, he put up his Instagram post uh, where he said, you know, last dance and such. They already knew that, get blown out in week one, and then has fought adversity to come back and be probably, again, the best player in the league. I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I think uh, I think similar to LeBron a lot of years, you could, you could just hand Brady because of all the, the other variables that he brings. You could bring, uh, give him the MVP. So he, he, he basically, look, he took the Bucks from a team that only knew losing – and brought them into Super Bowl champions in his first year. He's a guy that brings unmatched leadership. He's a guy that knows the offense. He brought his offense with him and said, hey, let's run this. And also, he brought Gronk with him. There's some value to that. It's like, what is value? That's This is a discussion that uh, anytime you... To have a discussion about what an mvp is we should define what value is because value this is this is why it's such a difficult award to give out all the time because value to jason whitlock is different it means something different to you than what it means to me what is value so from an overall value perspective i think brady has been the most valuable player in the league for a very 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 long time what i think is likely to happen if if this year goes and continues the way it is. It's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers, and I'm with you. That's a win for the unvaxxed.
3: Well, just remember, the AP basically decides the most prestigious, uh, most valuable player award, and so that's voted on by the media. And there may be some backlash for Aaron Rodgers for Mm -hmm. misleading the media about his vax status. So that could throw, let's take valuable out of the equation and I'm even going to take best player out of the equation, and because I do think this is an easy-to-understand word, impressive. The most impressive player to me this year in the National Football League is Micah Parsons, and it's because he's a rookie and the impact he's having on the Cowboys and their defense. Uh, he looks like a young Lawrence Taylor right now. To me, he's the most impressive player in the league, and I I think there's, you know, from TJ Watt to Jonathan Taylor, the running back, there's other candidates, but for a rookie to come in and do what Micah Parsons is doing on a team that has a chance uh, to win it all, I'm just very, he's the most impressive player in the NFL to me this season.
2: I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair on, on a team that's had some ups and downs too. I will say even, I mean, this is why I like to define terms so much because impressive has its own variables, right? Is it more impressive that T.J. Watt continues to do it even though you have film on him? Or is it more impressive that Micah Parsons can do it when nobody has any film on him at all? I mean, there are layers and va- and variables to everything we decide. I've been a T.J. Watt guy for a long time. Um, anybody who can go in with a team, especially with you know, somewhat of a, a struggling offense, goes out and makes plays over and over and over, and, and even makes the small plays like we saw with Lamar on the two-point conversion. Just be there. Just be in the way. Know where to be. He's Similar, you know, uh, we just heard Tom Brady talk about Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis impacted every single play when he was on the field. That's impressive, whether you're standing in the right spot. Troy Polamalu was a guy who had unbelievable instincts. He knew when to jump over the line and figure things out. That's impressive. So it's like, even there, there are so many layers to what impressive means, and we should define the terms before we have the discussion because I agree with everything you said about Michael Parsons. I would just take T.J. Watt because I think impressive means something a little different to me than it does to you. All
3: right, let's move on. Uh, the Brady-Rodgers discussion will be there. Uh, both of these guys keep winning games, and Brady had another come from behind. But uh, there's something going on over in the AFC. You got two streaking teams the Kansas City Chiefs and the New England Patriots. The Chiefs have won six straight. The Patriots have won seven straight. Uh I I I don't even know how to uh how I'm even gonna answer this question. I'm gonna ask you first. I still haven't made up my mind. Who's the best team in the AFC? Is it the Patriots or is it the Kansas City Chiefs?
2: I think there's a third team that is that is Worth the discussion, and that's the nine and four Tennessee. Don't Titans say Tennessee. Right here's
3: what. Oh, here's don't say Tennessee. You ain't watched the Tennessee Titans. You ain't watched it close enough. I watch them every week. These Tennessee <laughs> fans here, and again, I like the Titans. I really do. But be, I'm forced to watch them every week with Steve Ford, my buddies over at the doghouse. I, I'm just. They have no. They're not in the same class as the Chiefs or the Patriots. I, I'm just. I now when Derrick Henry comes back. That's what I'm Maybe, getting at.
2: Maybe this is what but, I'm getting at. But
3: I'm just telling you, that you can't be the best team when Ryan Tannehill is your quarterback. I'm just <laughs> it can't. You just can't, you can't count on him. I'm just
2: no dice. Well, I can tell you this: I have seen more upside thus far from Ryan Tannehill than I've seen from Mac Jones. Mac Jones, if he's in the discussion, is a guy that is a good distributor. He's a guy that does exactly what Belichick says. He's a guy who has humility and has no problem moving forward and only throwing the football three times in a game in order to get a win. That's all good stuff. We've seen Ryan Tannehill on any given year. Uh, be unbelievable. He's very mobile. We know. I what, you know when I played against him in college, he was a wide receiver in 2010. He's very athletic. He's a guy that at different times has has had incredibly high uh, accuracy, and he's been missing his three best players for a good portion of the year. And that is AJ Brown, who will probably be back week 18. That is Julio Jones, who was back last week, and that is Derrick Henry, who as we could argue, is the best player in the league when fully healthy. So they should be in the discussion. I'm not saying they're the best. They should be in the discussion when fully healthy, if we're talking about who's going to make it to the Super Bowl. Because if they're all healthy, they're there. Um, I'm also – uh, a, a huge fan of the um, of Mike Vrabel. He he is a Patriots guy, as you know. He's a linebacker that used to catch touchdowns, and he understands the game. And so, big fan of him. If we're talking about just the two teams here, the Patriots and the Chiefs, you can make the argument that where where are tiebreakers, right? There, obviously, you have players and coaching. Coaching, we've talked about. Andy Reid has not been the same since his since his son got in the uh, car accident, and and has had his issues uh so belichick against any coach in history gets that tiebreaker and so if it comes down to that i mean we've seen with you know steve kim talked about last week how if you need belichick to break something down what he did against the buffalo bills back in the 90s when he was with the giants uh, and allowed thurman thomas to run for 200 yards and didn't care right there is nobody better at coming up with the game plan but if it comes down to players The Chiefs have an argument as the very best quarterback in the league, Pat Mahomes. Don't agree with it, but there's an argument. The very best tight end in the league, Travis Kelsey. Don't know if I agree with it. Certainly an argument. And the very best receiver in the league, Tyreek Hill. Don't know if I agree with it, but certainly an argument. So if I had to put money down on the table today, I think Mac Jones is a year or two too too early for this to happen. I think he makes a mistake when it's crucial time and the Chiefs probably take it. But it's worth a discussion. There are three teams that I think are all neck and neck.
3: There's two teams that are neck and neck, uh, the Chiefs and the Patriots. Uh, You've distracted and dirtied up the conversation by forcing us to talk about Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Let's compare these finishing schedules between the Chiefs and the Patriots. Uh, The last four games for each team, the Chiefs uh, play at the Chargers, I believe this Thursday, going to be an incredible, an incredible game because uh, I like Justin Herbert and the Chargers as well. Then they get the Steelers. and they, But look, three of the Chiefs' last four games are on the road. Uh, Bengals, Denver, you know, b- Bengals at Cincinnati could be quite difficult. Uh, and then when you go look at the Patriots schedule, they play at the Colts. Then they host Buffalo. They got a bye week against the Jaguars, basically. And then they finish <laughs> at at miami which i'm new england down playing in in miami this time of year can can be tough but i tend to defense always shows up always and belichick is the best defensive coach we've ever seen in football at some point we may be arguing that andy Reid is the best offensive coach or he certainly will be in the discussion we've ever seen in football But but to me, defense is just more reliable, particularly late in the year when it's cold. Both of these guys play in outdoor stadiums. Uh, I I, I tend to favor the Patriots because of what I've always seen from Belichick's defenses and going all the way back to what they did to Kurt Warner and the St. Louis Rams. Uh, If these two teams face each other in the playoffs, it will be like Belichick's defense going up against Kurt Warner and the greatest show on turf it would be the same thing and I would expect Belichick to do it again to figure out a way to slow down one of the great offenses like Kansas City has and so I I would despite being a Chiefs fan um, you know and and preferring the Chiefs over the Patriots I tend to think the Patriots are the better team
2: that's hilarious despite being a patriots fan which i am and uh and being a huge fan of belichick I actually think the opposite here. Now, I think looking at the schedules, I think the Patriots end up with a top seed here. The Colts have have certainly improved as the season's gone on. That actually could be a loss for the Patriots. I think they take Buffalo. As you said, the Jaguars are led by uh, the biggest imbecile in all of sports, Urban Meyer. Uh, They will not be winning that game. And then the Dolphins trick game. I, I think the Patriots get the number one seed. To me, it comes down to a quarterback who will not make the mistake in the crucial moment. And I just don't trust Mac Jones just yet. I don't think you can get away with only throwing the ball three times, very many times. And also remember, we talked about this a little bit last week when I was down there, the chiefs during the six game win streak are allowing less than a, uh, what is 11.2 points per game. And they only let up nine yesterday. So that Chiefs defense is playing some ball too. You don't have to scheme up for the uh, Patriots like you do for the chiefs. I think when it comes down to a close game, Pel- Belichick does everything he can to make this a game, if they do have to play, it's probably in the AFC Championship game. I think Pat Mahomes is the ultimate tiebreaker here because the, you know, you're talking about a top three quarterback in the league versus a top 15 quarterback in the league. Uh, to me, that's the big difference, but I, truly, uh, it's, this is a cop-out. Anything Belichick does at this point or accomplishes, I am not surprised. I think... Patrick
3: Mahomes is a far better player than Mac Jones, but Patrick Mahomes is far more likely to make a big mistake than I think Mac Jones would because one, Mac Jones just doesn't do a lot of risky stuff. He's not allowed to, he doesn't want to, and so if someone's gonna have a turnover or something that cost someone a game, it would be Patrick Mahomes, not Mac Jones. Let me move on to uh, the other, I thought, major topic from the weekend. Uh, Lamar Jackson hurts his ankle and has to leave the game, has to cart it into the uh, locker on a cart. And we got this breakdown, I think, of Lamar Jackson's first 21 games and his last 21 games, or his previous 21 games and last 21 games. I, I It's pretty fascinating if we could put that graphic on to – he was 18 and three, I believe, in his first 21 games. He's 13 and eight in his last uh, 21 games. 34 TDs in his last 21 games, 55 in the previous. 26 turnovers in the last 21 games, 11 in the previous. I'm not, th- there was a moment five, six games into this season. Where Lamar Jackson was in the MVP conversation, uh, that moment has passed, and and you said it, I believe, last week that you wouldn't pay him uh, the big money that he'll be expecting this off season, and now with him with an ankle injury, uh, you know, again, yeah, I think Baltimore has no choice but to pay, him. but but I, I'm just I'm wondering. If Lamar Jackson's, and, and I can't believe, because I er, earlier this season, I was all in on Lamar Jackson and pay the guy the money, and he's going to have a 10-year run as uh, an elite-level quarterback in the NFL, and now I'm not so sure. You, the injury bug creeping in, and then when you just look at these last 21 games as opposed to the previous 21, there's reason for legitimate concern about Lamar Jackson.
2: To break down a little further the stats that we just had on the screen, he has had more than twice as many turnovers during the last 21 games as he had the previous 21, and he's having about a touchdown less per game. That is pretty unbelievable. So he went from MVP unbelievable to a guy less touchdowns, double the turnovers. How do you talk about the guy in the same breath that you did from the, those previous 21 games? So we talked a little bit about this. I think you treat him like a running back. I think he's got poor mechanics. I think he's a guy who throws three quarters, arm sidearm, um, an unbelievably hard worker, a good kid who I think makes uh, good decisions and is fearless. I think the problem that you're dealing with is you have to treat him like a running back because of, as you said, the injury. Okay. So, so, He's a guy that has taken, we were going over this before the show. I think during his career, he's got something like like 600 carries, okay, as, as basically a running back. He's averaging whatever it is, 10, 11 a game um, throughout his, his career here. And, and he's a guy who, if he gets hurt at all, what makes him special is his legs. Okay, And then that frees up his, I would say, lower ability to make the throws. He's a guy who can run around. He's got no issues making people miss. He is maybe the most elusive guy in the entire NFL. The second you twist his ankle, not only is that worthless, but we know this about regular quarterbacks with good mechanics, right? If you hurt your ankle, suddenly your throwing mechanics go away and you're not very good. Well, if you have poor throwing mechanics before you even start – then you hurt your ankle. Well, now your throwing is even worse than it was before. I think I think there are big problems here for a guy. And and you've got to ask yourself this. I mean, you said you think you think the Ravens are going to be forced to pay him, and he's he's in the ballpark of the thirty-five to forty million dollars a year. That's what they're paying Russell Wilson and Pat Mahomes. Is the bigger mistake? to not pay a guy who might be pretty good for a little while or is it to anchor yourself to the tune of 40 million dollars a year to a guy who's going to be average who's already reaching the spot where he's taking too many hits he's going to slow down and you you actually get your spot uh, get yourself into a spot where it is much more difficult to win because you paid this guy than if you would have just moved on and started developing a quarterback now
3: Well, I think once John Harbaugh moves on from Lamar Jackson, his career in Baltimore is over. I I, I think the media backlash and the way his reputation will get trashed and they'll spin it out right. Oh, you just used him and kicked him to the curb and blah blah blah. I I think all of that's really high risk for John Harbaugh. I think that the the Points you just made about this injured ankle. We're watching Aaron Rodgers, one of the most gifted throwers in the history of the NFL, play with a bad toe that affects his footwork and mobility and everything, and he's still finding ways to be really, really effective with a bad toe. I'm not sure if that's gonna be the case because, again, as you know, Lamar Jackson is not going to recover from this ankle injury during this season. They'll get him to a point where he can play, but he won't be recovered from it until this offseason at some point. And so Lamar Jackson out here a week or two or three weeks from now on a bad ankle, how effective can he be when running is such a big part of his repertoire? And, And then so now you're making him primarily a passer, on a bad ankle, with with questionable footwork and things like that, this thing could get real ugly for Lamar. And look, they may have seen enough from this uh, Huntley kid that they'll keep Lamar sidelined for perhaps longer than they anticipated or normally would, just because he just, if he's not a huge threat as a runner, his value diminishes tremendously. And so maybe you're better off sticking with Huntley an extra week or two until Lamar is closer. But, but the the problem with that is they're eight and five. They're not guaranteed right now to, uh, to, to make the playoffs. They're still winning the AFC North at this point, but that could all go away uh, without Lamar Jackson. I, the Baltimore Ravens are in a precarious situation. And so is lamar jackson he, he's in uh, he, his i don't know how much money this ankle injury is going to cost him
2: but it could cost him a great deal well so th- you hit on one thing about john harbaugh if he doesn't re-sign him he gets run out of town that may be true don't we have to at some point ask ourselves why we believe loyalty to a single player is more important than loyalty to the team and winning. Wouldn't the fan base who feels really emotional about a great kid in Lamar Jackson be much happier having a fully developed quarterback two to three years from now who they can then sign to a big contract? We've gotten into this thing where we say, hey, listen, loyalty is really good. We can all agree on that but we've got to define if it's loyalty to the team and winning and the organization and what is absolutely best right now for us long term is that more important than giving the respect to somebody today i'll give you an example in in uh, major league baseball you know they've got this stupid rule and it's it's all going to change now with with the lockout but basically you get 6 years of a guy before he, he hits free agency, in essence, you get three years and then you get arbitration. It's like, well, after six years for pitchers, the way they throw, oftentimes they've had Tommy John surgery and you get him to a place where you're like his best years were behind him. You know, and if you go further past that, maybe after the six years, some of the time they were in, in minor league baseball, it's like these guys are like 34 years old. Albert Pujols is a great example of this. Love the guy to death. I, I play in his, um, does a lot of charity stuff in St. Louis that I still do. The Cardinals weren't gonna pay him crazy money because they knew that would have been crazy and would have hamstrung them for the future. The Angels did, and he was nearly worthless, the back end of his contract. What is it about the loyalty to a player that is more important than the loyalty to the organization that has been around for decades compared to a guy who's been there for three years, six years, whatever it is, who's been great, brought you a lot of wins, but you're happy because he brought you a lot of wins. If he doesn't bring you those wins in the future, is it worth paying the guy $200 million as a thank you for what he did before?
3: It's not, but in a game like football where, you know, these guys are risking their health, playing a, a sport that, even though I ripped it earlier for how much easier it is than previously, but it's still much more high risk than most sports, and so you, you and, and particularly Lamar is such a good person and has handled everything so well. And he's given his all. And we have this. Whole, and I blame the NFLPA for this, because if there was no rookie wage scale and these contracts that they're locked into, basically coming out of college, if we could throw that away and Lamar Jackson could have been properly compensated the two or three years when he was playing at an MVP level, then all of a sudden it's easier to say, you know what, man, we, we this dude got paid out, and when he was super productive, he was making $20, $30 million a year, and now we're moving on, and I think fans would be good with that. But because of the rookie wage scale and all that, it, it, it feels like, man, Lamar's been given a level of production that he hasn't been properly compensated for, and so people feel like the Ravens, owe him something but let's I want to show a few more of these interesting tidbits and facts we uncovered Uh, Lamar Jackson has recorded multiple total TD games in three of his 12 starts this season that's 25% had multiple total TD games in 22 of 30 starts combined in 2019 and 20 that's 73% now that's all that's a drop from 24 or from 73% drop all the way down to 25% is 1 and 3 and 4 starts against AFC North teams this season was a combined 10 and 2 and 12 starts against AFC North teams 2018 19 and 20 is 2 and 4 and 6 road game starts this season was 15-3 and in 18 road games, 2018 to 2020. Has started 10 consecutive games without recording a rushing touchdown. 10 consecutive games without a rushing touchdown. Has five multi-turnover games this season, had one multi-turnover game in his previous 25 starts. (sighs) Lamar Johnson... Is on the downside. He slot. He. This is. This looks like a different version of Cam Newton. Cam Newton was never likable, uh, <laughs> and so Lamar very likable. But whew, it, it, these the running quarterbacks. It's it's rough. Last thing you've already previewed this a bit. You, you already lit into Urban Meyer. There was a story I think that came out Saturday or Sunday or Friday. I, I can't remember it just trashing urban meyer and and reporting that urban meyer undressed his assistant coaches uh, verbally and you know ask him to compare their resumes to his and uh, he benched the running back i believe with without taking credit for it or, or and and who was the, there was a wide receiver i think that was upset with urban meyer for criticizing the wide receivers, and they got in a spat on the field. And to me, I read the story, and I thought, two and ten team. This sounds like any team that's struggling. You got this kind of tension and animus, and and you know criticism. And 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 I think the story about the coaches and their resumes probably told out of context. But <clears throat> maybe I got a bias. I knew Urban Meyer. We worked <laughs> together at Fox Sports. I tended to like the guy. Uh, anyway, Urban Meyer story, big deal, little deal, or no deal?
2: I think it is instructive of who he is. And so, um, un- understandably, if you've got personal ties with somebody, he puts on a really good facade. The, so, I, full disclosure, I have never liked Urban Meyer for one second. And until I sat down to really think about it, I could not tell you why. I couldn't put my finger on him. And then, as the story came up, it hit me. A head football coach is supposed to be a father figure, okay? Especially in football, as, as you know, the makeup of our country, a lot of guys don't have dads to begin with, or at least don't know their dads. 75% of black kids, 28% of white kids grow up in a single family. Uh, single parent home okay the makeup of the college football roster is nearly 50/50 um, so it's about 47% black kids that means when you we break down the math and all that about 50% of the kids that would come in a college football locker room do not have a dad in the picture that's even higher once once you get into the NFL and and make no mistake a lot of these kids in the NFL are just that they're kids coming in at 21 years old so you go you you know that kids are always looking for the alpha male in the room especially if they don't have one at home urban meyer is supposed to be that guy he's the ceo of the jaguars he's the ceo of uh what is you know a a multi-billion dollar corporation and you say okay well i don't know what he's teaching these kids they're not all kids but a lot of them sure are but there's that old saying more is caught than taught you can look at what is caught i'm catching it here without being in the room You know, it's like any dad, certainly my dad and and good dads would say, Hey, listen, surround yourself with the right people. That's that old saying, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you'll be in five years. Urban Meyer had over 30 arrests when he was at Florida. He was actively putting kids in the room with people of poor character in order to try to win games. That's not very fatherly. You know, you, you say, what is another thing a dad would teach you? Well, treat women with respect. Meanwhile, He's covering up alleged domestic abuse for the coach at Ohio State. Not very fatherly. Uh, your dad should have some integrity. Okay, well, why then do we catch you on camera at a bar with a young girl grinding up on you, stepping out on your wife? And then that same game, you don't get on the plane after you lose because not, it's not really up to you. And, of course, the last one would be you always take responsibility. You are in charge of the family. And then you hold a meeting, maybe out of context, don't know, that says, hey, I'm a winner. I'm not the problem. I win everywhere I go. You guys are all losers. So you need to explain to me why you guys belong here. I don't know what's being taught, but I can tell you what's being caught. And that to me is a disgrace because there are very few positions in life where you get the privilege of shepherding young men. And college football coaches number one. I can name all the coaches that I had. My high school football coach, Paul Day, I still am in contact with him. He when I was in high school, my dad was on a work trip, we had a combine to go to, he got in the truck said let's go and drove me into Kansas City to William Jewell for a combine. He didn't have anything to gain from that. I was a kid who wanted to get recruited and he said let's go, got in his truck and we left. Gary Pinkle took care of us. He was a man. Belichick, I was there for a very short time. He was a teacher. He was trying to teach us about life. This was not a facade coaches should be father figures they should be the guys that are teaching you legitimate life lessons about how to succeed urban meyer somehow has pulled the tarp over everybody's head here ohio state even after covering up the domestic assault with one of his assistant coaches they brought him back to teach a class about leadership and character i don't know why people can't see through this but to me he's as big of a disgrace as a coach that we've ever seen in my lifetime
3: I'm not gonna add anything to that. Uh, I'm just gonna move on. TJ, great job. Uh, I'm gonna have to marinate on those Urban Meyer thoughts. Uh, You know what? While I marinate over those thoughts, hopefully I can marinate over some good ranchers, one of those variety boxes, you can give one as a Christmas gift Choose the Rancher's Classic for the perfect combo of high-quality beef and tender chicken or go with the cowboy to have the ultimate steakhouse experience with black Angus, ribeyes, Wagyu, burgers, and more. Good Rancher's only sources and sells meats from here in the USA. Most of what you find at the store is imported from who knows where with who knows what in it, and every piece in your order is individually wrapped and vacuum sealed to lock in flavor and freshness for up to one year. Whether you eat it that night or three months from now, it will be the best meal you've had each time. Give a gift, they'll remember for years to come. Give a gift you actually know they'll use. Get your Good Ranchers box or gift certificate today. Tis the season for open hearts and full stomachs. So get the Good Ranchers with my promo code FEARLESS for $20 off and free shipping. Just go to GoodRanchers.com backslash fearless or use the promo code FEARLESS at checkout. Take advantage of this special holiday offer today. Be a good fearless soldier and support Good Ranchers because they support you, me, and what we believe in. All right, Shamika Michelle, thanks. welcome back uh time for uh show and before I even tell you what we're going to talk about I want to bring Shamika on camera so I can ask something uh ask something that has to be asked before we can even have this conversation Shamika are you okay if I talk about how good you look today
4: I'm okay, and I I would appreciate it because I'm not happy.
3: <laughs> oh. <laughs> Shamika, you look like a movie star. You look like Pam Greer in her prime. I hope our audience is ready and can focus. You 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 damn near look too good to even have a conversation. It's a distraction, and so I'm gonna close my eyes and just talk to you uh, for the rest of this segment. If you don't, if so, if my eyes are closed, it's because I'm trying to focus. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Shamika, uh, Take Shamika off camera so I can focus, so I can, I can set this up properly. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Now, I, looking at me, I can focus. It's a lot easier to focus looking at me. Uh, there's a teacher in Philadelphia that decided she needed to, this is like a high school teacher, junior high, I think it's a high school teacher, that decided she needed to announce to her class her sexual orientation, she recorded it and put it on TikTok. I'm not a parent, Shamika is. I used to be a high school student, I used to be a student. I don't remember having a lot of deep thoughts or conversations with my teachers about their sexual preference, orientation, gender identity. I I just, it just wasn't part of my upbringing and education. And so, I I just found, you know, I don't know how many of you follow the Twitter feed, libs of TikTok, but they post a lot of interesting stuff, and I found this very interesting. So, let's play the clip. Shamika has three daughters, and we'll get a parent's take on this. Play the clip.
4: It was National Coming Out Day yesterday. If we were here in person, I would have done this yesterday. My name's Miss
3: Watsy. I'm and I'm here.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, <laughs> Thank you. My name is Ms. and I am. I'm Miss Watsi, and I am.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
4: as a lesbian today oh my God! Yes! i am Miss Watsy and i am
2: <laughs> i am coming
4: out as a ladala bean Laidala. to all of you <laughs> thank you so much a ladala bean is a lesbian if you're not on TikTok.
3: <laughs> Gone crazy. When, When you're a teacher, you're there to serve the students. The students aren't there to serve you. This is someone that clearly needs a friend, family, somebody to share her intimacy with. It shouldn't be with a classroom full of kids, but I'm not a parent. That's why we're gonna consult a parent, a parent of three. Uh, Shamika Michelle, your thoughts on Ms. Watsi?
4: I think it's disgusting and I agree, it's 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 a personality disorder. These teachers are looking for friends. When my daughter was in middle school, she had a teacher who must have had some type of fight with her lesbian lover before she came to school. She had them do an activity to, you know, apologize. So they were writing her notes and then she, you know, they had to make these signs that she wanted to video them holding the signs up, telling her lesbian lover that she apologized. I had to go to the dean and talk to the t- to the dean and say, even if she was straight, I would have an issue with this. This is math class. I don't understand what this has to do with learning. And if my daughter was one of these kids that were behind, I really would have been upset because you're taking time out from instruction to apologize to your lesbian lover. This shouldn't be any business business. of a child. When I was in school, I rarely knew if my teacher was married, if she was single. Now they want you to know, oh, not only am I with someone or whatever, I'm gay or I'm bisexual or this this to me has nothing to do with school and it's inappropriate and it should not be there. There are some things that should just be left at home. When you come to school, come to teach. Friends are made on the playground. They should not be made between the teacher and the student.
3: When I was in high school, we had a uh, gym teacher, Mrs. Parrish. Uh, She was also our basketball coach and a great basketball coach and led a successful girls basketball team. Uh, You know, everybody liked and respected Miss Parrish. I don't and look, maybe my memory is fuzzy. I just don't remember people having issues. She was gay, everybody knew it, but she wasn't talking about it, as far as I knew, with her students. I I think I had her in gym class one year. She certainly didn't have a discussion with us about it. Uh, I'm just shocked at how we've gotten to the point that American kids are struggling with reading, writing, arithmetic, history, science, and, and I'm now getting a, a look into these cl- classrooms, and it's like, we're in there having conversations about sexuality and, and dating and all this other stuff. Th- that should be left to the parent and their child. It's like all the lines have been broken and the state and the school system thinks it's their job to teach your kids everything rather than just a few specific areas.
4: I agree, and one of the things that I notice is I'm assuming this is after the pandemic, after many kids have suffered learning loss from being out of school half a year, most of the year. And this is what you decide to do. Instead of trying to get these children where they're supposed to be, matching some of the other countries or other competition that's going to be out here when it comes to education, you want to take the time to come out. She said, if this was yesterday, you know, we were out of school yesterday, well, then that means you. You weren't supposed to share it in school. Share it with your friends who you were around on National Coming Out Day. I've never understood National Coming Out Day anyway. What is the big deal? There's no National Coming Out Day for straight people. If you're gay, just be gay. I saw gay people growing up my entire life. We all accepted them, that's just who they were. Now they wanna make this big deal about it, but say they wanna be treated the same. Well, how do you wanna be treated the same when you wanna make everything about who you go to bed with? That's treating you differently. So it, it doesn't make sense to me. And I just think this really has to be some sort of personality disorder and we are not checking it. Like I don't understand why we are allowing this in school. and. You know, if a child is hungry, feed them. If you see that a child is homeless, I know there are programs set up to make sure that child can get to school, have clothes and have food but these are certain programs that are set up for certain children. You are putting this type of information in front of kids who are coming from a stable home or homes that are not having these type of issues, but you feel it's your place to give them what they call a safe space. My child is safe at home and not having to deal with that type of ridiculousness.
3: I'm going to give you another example uh, to comment on. I'm not even sure what state this teacher's in, but there was another video of a teacher who uh, either went on TikTok, just recorded a video talking about he's cross-dressing or he, he, he's cross-dressing within his school system and none of the, the administrators, aren't, no one, saying anything to him or her about it. it, it Anyway, let's watch the video, and then I'll get your comment. I mean, my kids seem to like it, so I'm probably going to keep doing it. Uh, but thanks for the comment. I really appreciate anyone
1: reaching out. Look for teaching the children tomorrow. Feels very Harvey Milk meets Harvey Dent. I'm here to recruit you. The a check. My admin's actually very okay with me wearing heels. I'm coming to school in drag sometimes. I used to put on makeup, but now it's too early in the morning, so that's not happening anymore. But like, yeah, they're pretty cool with it. They just think I'm making a safe place for my kids. First time going to school with a dash of makeup on, a little nervous. At this point, I am pretty much full-time teaching high school Spanish in a little bit of full face drag. Um, lots of bearded drag. My students seem pretty cool about it, and it doesn't
3: seem like my admins have any problem at all. So. I guess I'm just lucky. I, he made it crystal clear. He's there to recruit. They're there to indoctrinate. That There just seems to be an agenda here of, I'm not here to teach Spanish. I'm here to teach you about loving drag queens and just, I, 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 what's going on here? This really does make me sad.
4: It's sad because we don't have standards. In every other job, you have a standard, you have a certain requirement. If I worked for McDonald's, I could not come in dressed in full Burger King garb like <laughs> I identify as somebody that makes Whoppers today. They would clock me out and show me the door. If I go to a doctor, the doctor is dressed a certain way. Every day, or when I get up here, Jason, I'm in the comfort of my own home. Most of the time, I'm only dressed from the waist up. However, that doesn't give me the freedom to stand up in my phone like she had dumps like a truck, 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 thighs like what, what, what. You know, that's that we have standards. Everybody has standards except for teachers. Teachers used to come in, dress very classy, dress very nicely. Now they look like they rolled out of bed, and they allow them to come to to work any kind of way. You are coming to work, whatever you do outside, you know, outside of school time on your own time, that's your business. But when you come to a job, you should have standards. There should be requirements, and you should have to meet them in order to keep that job. When my kids were in the same school that I was just talking about, they had a dress code. They had to wear navy blue bottoms, white tops, and for a long time, all black shoes. Girls could not get their hair colored in unnatural colors. Boys could not wear earrings. Boys could not wear their hair long. These were the rules. These were the requirements. And I'm not sure why now rules are just tossed out of the the door. Why now can teachers just do whatever they want to? But we're not even holding them to these same requirements when making sure our kids can read, making sure our kids can write. The way I see people struggling between Y-O-U-R and Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, we, we need to get back to the basics. That's what we need to be talking about. We don't need a big burly man stuffing his kin size foot into Barbie slippers. Children learn by observation a lot of times when it comes to gender roles. So if you have a little girl that's always watching her mother cook dinner, then she says to herself, okay, a woman cooks. If you see a little boy, if he watches his father fix things, then he says to himself by observation, oh, men fix things. When you have this type of confusion coming in the classroom, it's out of order. It's it's just completely out of order. And somebody we need to step in and do something. Thankfully, my kids are older. But if I had younger children who were being, you know, they were trying to give them this impression that this is okay, I would have a problem with it for sure.
3: Samika, I I, I watch all of this and, and just think that if I were a parent, I would be homeschooling my kids uh, and and it it just because a lot of people are going that direction, but in order to homeschool, you pretty much have to have two parents in the same home. You need a nuclear family. And so when I look at the attack on the nuclear family and how everybody say, "Oh, you don't need a nuclear family," and blah 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 and and, and it's it's unnecessary. And, and I look at us as black people, like 75% of our kids, 80% born outside of wedlock. Uh, and it's like homeschooling isn't an option for most of us. And so we're going to be relying on the government to educate our young people. And this is the kind of foolishness. That's, again, as that guy said, my administrators, he's admins, they don't care because they're afraid if they say something Mm -hmm. to him, they could get sued or fired or start some controversy. So the guy can come in wearing heels and no one can say a word to him. And it can be drag queen story hour for the entire class. Every class he teaches out of fear, I, I just, the society is just, separating and separating and separating people that have nuclear families are gonna start leaning one direction and start homeschooling their kids and take them away from this chaos. And people that don't are gonna have their kids indoctrinated into this life and lifestyle. And I just don't know if you can cohabitate together when the values are this divergent. Uh, So anyway, Thank you, uh, great job as always. Uh, go to YouTube.com you. slash Jason Whitlock. Uh, Uncle Jimmy, another parent, he'll be here. Perhaps we'll get his thoughts on what's going on in the schools, but he'll have a review of the show and we'll have an approval rating on Urban Meyer, who uh, TJ Moe slaughtered in a previous segment. <laughs> We'll deal with the remains of Urban Meyer. All right, welcome back. Uh, time to uh, wrap up the show with uh, <laughs> a review of my work on today's show, which was, I mean, my, a, <laughs> I was on fire today. It was another amazing performance by me, and uh, this is always my favorite part of the show, because, Jim, you get to review my work, and I uh, <laughs> pretty flawless today.
0: Um, I- I'll give you your credit. And especially the way you started off the show. <laughs> and you had all those people on there and they was talking. You had Randy Moss on there. <laughs> and I would say that the way you opened the show is one of the... It's a performance that i live in infamy. <laughs> and you should keep it up. That's
3: all. Uh, thank you, Jim. That, that is... <laughs> I'm hope ESPN was watching. Uh, I'm sure they'll have a contract over to you shortly, but you may have to take that sweat, fearless sweat, fearless soldier sweatshirt That's off. It's not coming off, bro.
0: Hey, I man, listen, do you, you, this is nice. I know. Now, now we, we, we've stepped the game up here. This is really, and you at home can get one of those. Serious business. Now, I'm now. I don't mind. This, this is nice. Yeah. If you get seen in this, it ain't no doubt who you with. Who you with? We with the fearless. Oh, I mean, they gonna know it. <laughs> so y'all need to get that, man. Honestly, the, for real. Mm. We we got
3: hats, shirts, coffee I'm, mugs, t-shirts. Anyway, hey, hold on. Uh, back to the review of. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The show. Did any, did oh, you, you did good
0: up until you put that Tom Brady clip on there. What Tom Brady clip? That's what I said. That's oh, the Tom clip.
3: Brady clip of him. I mean, because let me get this yeah. right:
0: was Tom Brady complaining about other people getting preferential treatment? Was Mister Tuck Rule, Mister Brady Rule,
3: talking about other? I'm no, just asking. He, he was complaining, saying he gets preferential treatment, and so do all quarterbacks and offensive players. He was keeping it real. That that Brady clip is one of the best. You know who brought that to my attention? I wrote my monologue, and T.J. Moe like, texted me, like, you ever seen this clip of Brady talking about this? Anyways. And As and a matter of fact, speaking of T.J. Moe, you, you made the analogy, and, and
0: you do this, and you got to watch what you say, bro. You said, T.J. Moe had a cup of coffee in the NFL. <laughs> so is that like saying you had communion at ESPN? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, man. I had coffee twice at ESPN. so. And, and then he says, well, Blaine Gabbert was my quarterback when I played well, hell, That's why your ass is sitting here with us. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. Honestly, man. But anyway, I I I, I like TJ, man. TJ is uh, a yeah. and then wait, a minute, And then he like something What did he spend a week with us? Did he really like tell us how he felt about Urban Meyer?
3: That's what I was gonna say. He snapped on Urban
0: Meyer. I mean, wait, wait. Let me let me pull out what he said about this because I I wrote a few of them down. This man said that. Uh, full disclosure. I mean, like, ain't no mis. Full disclosure. I don't like Urban Meyer. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he said and then this now, now check this one out. Notice this man. This is what he said. Most. I know somebody that got in trouble for saying that most of these athletes weren't raised by men. So how you expect them to act like men?
3: Who said, I I know what you're talking about, but I can't remember who said it. No, some guy at
0: another network that got in trouble for saying that about Deshaun Watson.
3: Oh, oh, that's right.
0: (laughs) That's right. What's the David Mulligetta and all that? I'm I'm just simply saying that he repeated those very words that said, these athletes aren't raised by
3: men. He repeated it. Yeah, and the next thing you know, uh, Deshaun Watson was in trouble. And I was in Nashville. (laughs) 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 <laughs> Telling the truth about the Watson. That. Hey,
0: but, but wait a minute! Here's the other thing, though. Check this out. D- this is what he said. He said, remember, He said, uh, 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 he, "He said I don't know what you're being taught, but I know what you're being caught." That was pretty good. See, the, now you you see what happens to people when they spend hang out with you for a week.
3: Yeah. That was if
0: you if you'd have got Bernie Kozar in there, he might still be around. Come on, man.
3: <laughs> I'm not touching that. Anyway, man, Shamika. Yeah, Shamika did a great job.
0: Shamika, now now, listen, man. She said that. She said that, and I love this. You you didn't understand what she she said. My child is safe at home. When you're a parent, you provide an environment that you feel your child needs. We don't need nobody else doing nothing for it. My child is safe at home. I don't need you to make my child feel comfortable and be safe. That's that's just real, man. That's just honestly, man. And then, then she got real. She said. I don't need no man stuffing his size 10 into a woman's pump.
3: <laughs> I'm not, keep it moving.
0: No, I mean, I'm just simply saying, man, I mean, I, I, I'm complimenting Shmeek on what she said and the comments she made, because honestly, and we were talking about, okay, first we talked about Miss uh, 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 Watsy, Watsy. Yeah. but then you had that other teacher on there. Yeah, I, I, whatever his name was. Yeah. Now, you, you you was amazed by that, but you don't know South Park. You don't really watch South Park. No, I don't. South Park has a teacher on it. What's that teacher's name? Mr. Garrison. Mr. Garrison, Mr. Garrison is a cross-dressing teacher that has been on South Park for well over 10 years. There he is right there. Mm-hmm. You know, you... In the you green he, or that's him in the green? Yeah, that's him. Oh, and he's spanking somebody? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he comes to school with his purse on. He comes, he does it all the time.
3: There he is. So they've been indoctrinating the kids for a lot longer than I'm aware of, huh? You, you, you think you can just take over a
0: country easily? It takes work. Mm. There you go. Anyway, man, I love Shamika. Uh, I will not lie to you. I know you was talking about how good she looked. And I probably, you know, I respect her. I don't. But when she said that she doing the show without nothing on and a thong, talking about some cakeety cake cake cake. <sighs> Hey, could you tell the people at Blaze I need a new compre- computer?
3: Why do you need a new computer? That one blew up back there when she said that. She said, cakeety-cake-cake. <sighs> yeah, I'm, we may have to do the show from Shamika's house. Girl <laughs> no. us on the road. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hard. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. All right, uh, let's get to Urban uh, Meyer. And our approval score on the Jaguars coach, Uh, man, they're 2-10. and I knew it was going to be rough. And see, a lot of people didn't watch that game on Sunday. This is why I still – job performer, they're struggling, but I got him at a 7 because it ain't all Urban Meyer's fault. Trevor Lawrence looks like hot trash right now. This dude threw four interceptions that were horrible on Sunday. One of them. One of them wasn't his fault,
0: but the rest of them was really bad. They were really bad. I mean, I mean, really bad. Like, uh. yeah, terrible. So you give him a seven? Yeah, I give him a seven. I give him a two for them two wins. For them two wins, that's your job performance.
3: Them two wins. All right, uh, character. Um, I'm not as down on him as TJ. Uh, but T.J. did shake me up if I...
0: <laughs> oh,
3: I didn't know about the 30 arrests. Did T.J. drop the 30 arrests? Yeah, that when he's down in Florida, I think a lot of his players were getting arrested. Yeah, I, I should have ranked him lower on character, but I got him at a 19. I give him a 2. A 2 for... A
0: because this losing that he's doing here, this is out of character for him, man. This ain't the Urban Meyer we know, man.
3: <laughs> for real, this don't look good on him. No, it doesn't. Authenticity uh I may have to reevaluate my scores. I may have been two I gave him a 22 for authenticity, but after listening to TJ Lord have mercy, I feel kind of silly
0: i I give him a two <laughs> I give him a two for authenticity man he he, he, he he ain't really about this life man he he's playing he he's playing out of his, out of his weight class man he's up here messing with these NFL boys. He need to go on back and
3: he mm. need to go back man. Uh, and he may do that. It fa- it factor. I'll give him a sixteen. I will give him twenty-five. You, you only gave him ten, according to my scorecard.
0: I gave him twenty-five. He doing it oh. for the money. I changed it. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. He's doing it for the money. That 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 that's what it is right now. It it, it that that's what's happening right now. He this right now, this ain't no love of the game, man. This ain't no
3: love. <laughs> I don't like y'all. Y'all ain't up to my. <laughs> All right, so uh, you got him at a 31 dumpster fire. I've got him at candlelit uh, 64. Uh, Urban Meyer. Hey man, you know what? Sometimes maybe the grass ain't greener on the other side. Oh, that's right. I, I enjoyed today's show. It was good. I learned a lot. Now I- Maybe that's why Tamara ain't gonna come out here and perform. Maybe she know the grass ain't greener here in Nashville than it is in LA. <sighs> <sighs> got a strike when the iron's hot, Jim. <laughs> Let him turn the burner off. <laughs> now I'm just tortured every time I hear this song. Mm. Maybe you should've listened to her when she said,
0: I wanna be, but <laughs> <laughs> really why Tamir I wanna be free.
3: <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, that's tomorrow. We'll see you. Yeah, she got a tear in your eye. Tomorrow. <laughs>
4: For the right sign, Looking like it's my time Feeling all kinds of freedom These words are our religion Our no regrets and our decisions We all want to go to heaven with freedom It's my obligation No hate, discrimination Raising up your hands for freedom Raise up your hands for freedom I just want I wanna be I just want I wanna be I just want I
2: wanna be I just want I wanna